I'm Asahi Pompey, Global Head of Corporate Engagement and President of the Goldman Sachs Foundation. I'm proud that today's episode is brought to you by Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, a program that gives entrepreneurs access to education, capital, and business support services, resources that are more critical than ever. Our program is also focused on serving business owners disproportionately and most significantly affected by this pandemic. Later in the episode, you'll hear from an entrepreneur in our community about how they built their business. To learn more or apply to our program, visit gs.com slash 10ksb. Hey y'all, it's Brittany. I can be honest with y'all, right? We're family. I am feeling a tough mix of emotions right now and none of them are relief. I am grateful that George Floyd's family has received the little bit of accountability that this system allows and and I pray that they receive even an ounce of closure because there is no justice if, if they don't get to hug their George. And I also feel so much dread for the way I just know things are gonna go back to business as usual in so many places. Folks will say, you know, justice was served, the system works, but one guilty verdict does not justice make, not when an entire institution is still hunting us. Listen, guilty, was the only correct call to make, but we can't be satiated by a single conviction. The point, the entire point, is that the whole system is guilty as hell and it needs to be dismantled in its entirety. If you don't believe that, look no further than the fact that as the verdict was called out and we were all processing it, Columbus, Ohio police shot and killed a 15-year-old girl. We see how the police are desperately trying to rehabilitate their image. They condemn and try to distance themselves from Chauvin. He doesn't reflect our values, they say. In closing remarks, the prosecution even said, this is not an anti-police prosecution, it's a pro-police prosecution. So the cops are more than happy to sacrifice Derek Chauvin. It is to their advantage. They get to be seen by contrast as reasonable. But I've been saying it for years and I'll keep saying it until the wheels fall off. This is not about an individual, it is about an institution. This is not about bad apples, it's about bad roots. Chauvin is not an aberration or an exception, he is the rule. He is the product of a system built to control bodies and protect property. And no one verdict can change that. No police force makeover can change that. Only we can. I just started reading, We Do This Till We Free Us by longtime abolitionist Mariam Kaba. It's helping me imagine what abolition really can look like and what I or anyone can do to help achieve true transformation. Kaba writes, nothing that we do that is worthwhile is done alone. So let's link arms and stay focused. Stop talking about bad apples and uproot the tree. We are undistracted.
on the show today, Andra Day. I'll be talking to the Oscar-nominated actress about the complex legacy of legendary jazz singer Billie Holiday. I don't know that she was complicated. I think that the circumstances were complicated because the reality is she was just a black queer woman trying to live freely in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, trying to do what was right, talk about lynching in America, integrating audiences. That's coming up, but first, it's your untrending news. On Monday, Republican governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, signed a so-called anti-riot bill. Yeah, you know what that's code for. The new sweeping legislation makes it a possible felony to be at a protest if it turns violent, even if you didn't participate in the damage. It also upgrades a number of protest-related misdemeanors to felonies like blocking a highway, and anyone charged will be denied bail until their first court appearance. But yet, the law grants civil immunity to people who drive into protesters. Here's what Democratic Senator Chevron Jones had to say. I'd just like to remind Governor DeSantis that today is April 19, 2021, and not April 19, 1961. Unfortunately, Florida is not the only state working on anti-protest legislation. In Minnesota, the same place where we just got that verdict and where Dante Wright was killed, a proposed bill would make anyone convicted of a crime at a protest ineligible for student loans and food stamps. Just like all the new voter suppression laws, all 29 of the protest suppression laws being considered across the country are all about trying to quash our voices. The GOP is absolutely afraid of our power. After all, protests are what got the world's attention last summer. And even as flawed as the courts are, protests are what got the Chauvin trial overseen by a fair attorney general. Lest Ron DeSantis and his homies be reminded, y'all's country and those founding fathers you love, they were protesters. We will march whenever we see fit and shame any of those who try to get in our way. Over in Baltimore, nearly 100 private school students walked out this week in support of a black teacher. Adrian Knight, a middle school drama teacher, resigned earlier this year after she posted a YouTube video that details a racist interaction she had with a white student. So the student allegedly glued a piece of paper to a desk for no reason, and when Knight asked her to clean it up, the girl told her to, quote, fetch some cleaning materials so Knight could do it herself. Knight let the people know exactly what was wrong with this picture in her video. She talked to me like I worked for her. And I'm like, since I'm not your nanny, I do not work for you in any capacity. I am not your servant of any kind. So I just feel like we need to be teaching our children. You respect all people. And also, there are certain things that you cannot say depending on who you're talking to. Last Friday's walkout by black and white students from Knight's Bryn Mawr School and two other nearby private schools was an act of solidarity with her message. Their signs read, recognize black faculty and justice for Miss Knight. Students also used the protest to shed light on the movement for black lives. I love a student walkout now, and I'm glad to see young folks standing up together for black lives and for black teachers. The younger generation knows what's up. 
We matter in every institution and every institution needs to feel the pressure until they do the right thing. And finally, gymnast Simone Biles says she's returning to the Olympics in part to represent survivors of sexual abuse. The four-time Olympic gold medalist spoke to the Today Show about her return to the mat for the upcoming games in Tokyo. Simone says she wants to show up for the many victims of former Team USA gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser, a group that includes her. I just feel like everything that happened had to come back to the sport to be a voice, to have change happen, because I feel like if there weren't a remaining survivor in the sport, they would have just brushed it to the side. But since I'm still here and I have quite a social media presence and platform, they have to do something. Good for you, Simone, for using your platform as the most decorated gymnast of all time and for your bravery as an incredible survivor to make your voice heard. Nasser may be in jail, but as Simone points out, there are still changes that need to be made within the sport to ensure that no future gymnast ever has to endure what she and others went through. Coming up, I'll be talking to Andra Day about Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, and the ongoing movement for Black Lives, right after this short break. My name is Jameen Motan, founder of Skylar Security, an Atlanta-based company that offers an innovative approach to security services management by focusing on unparalleled customer service. Our motto is, security is an emotion and everyone deserves to be safe. When we launched in March 2018, we were a non-traditional security guard company that automated all aspects of our process. Being a part of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program helped us pinpoint an area of growth that would expand our technology offerings to other security companies, other teams, turning our competitors into customers. The resulting growth from that helped me stay ahead of the curve through unknowns, including but not limited to the running of my business during the pandemic. In my time as an entrepreneur, I have seen firsthand that building a successful business from the ground up not only takes grit, but imagination. And at the end of the day, there's no way to cheat the grind. Learn more about my company at www.skylarsecurity.com. And we're back. Until recently, Andra Day was best known as the Grammy-nominated singer behind the 2015 racial justice anthem, Rise Up. But these days, she might be better known as an Academy Award-nominated actress. In her first major role, Andra plays the title character in The United States versus Billie Holiday. The new film, directed by Lee Daniels, focuses on a tumultuous period in the 1940s when Billy was targeted by the U.S. government because she refused to stop singing Strange Fruit. Southern trees Get her off that stage. Bear strange fruit That's a bit of Andra Day as Lady Day 
Andrea has already been winning rave reviews for her transformative performance, not to mention a Golden Globe Award. And this Sunday, she could make history as only the second black woman after Halle Berry to win the Oscar for Best Actress. Andra, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so grateful to be having this conversation. (laughs) Me too. I'm looking forward to this. It's been quite a week, but Mm -hmm. I always try to center Black joy. And I mean, you've won some incredible awards. You're now up for an Oscar. Congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm very appreciative. I mean, you've been at this work for a while, but the synergy of this moment comes Mm -hmm. on so many layers. Is it true that your last name day is a tribute to Billie Holiday? Yes, it is. I had thought about taking, cutting my name in half, right? Andrew is short for Cassandra. Mm-hmm. And I thought about taking Holiday, but it just felt too much like a copy. And that's not what she did for me. She really helped me to own my own creative contribution, my, to really own my voice and my, mm. this idea that I could be a great singer, you know? So it was more like a thank you to her, you know, to now I'm my own Lady Day. Yeah, I love that. Honoring the ancestors always. And I mean, she was a genius. There's so much genius flowing through you, not just as a singer, but also I think everybody can see as an actress. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And I will be honest, I can't believe this is this is your first major acting role. And I heard that you were reluctant to do this movie at first. Yeah, of course. Tell us why. Well, it's like if somebody were to come up to you and be like, I mean, I don't know. Do you cook? Uh, Yeah, when I have time, yes. (laughs) Okay. If it was like, if somebody came up to you and was like, all right, Brittany, you know, President Obama and the First Lady Michelle Obama are here and they have a whole bunch of their dignitaries and their guests and they're having this fancy dinner and we want you to cook this five-course meal for them (laughs) because it has to be the top-line chef done stuff and da-da-da for this. You know what I mean? It'd be like, nah, hell no. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'll give the talk, you know what I mean? And that's my thinking, sort of, I'll do the end title song. Mm. So that's what it felt like. It was like, yes, go be the starring role playing Billie Holiday in a movie directed by Lee Daniels. You know what I mean? It was like, bro, I'm not cooking that meal for the Obamas. It's not (laughs) happening. (laughs) So it was just this idea that I'm like, I'm not a chef. I'm not an actor. So I was, didn't want to be terrible, but I, I met with Lee, decided to meet with Lee and he didn't want to work with me either. You know, he's like, I want an actor. This is a heavy role. I want an actor. And um, so we didn't really want to meet with each other, but we did anyway. (laughs) And we sat there and we just really kind of fell in love. We bonded over like insecurities and Mm. this idea that we really wanted to honor her legacy and that it'd be vindicating Billie Holiday's legacy, Mm. that the world would finally see that she sang Strange Fruit in defiance of the government. They killed her for it, like that she really sacrificed, you know what I'm saying? And in the midst of dealing with her own illness, which was the addiction and the trauma behind it. Yeah. So that was incentivizing for me to do the audition. And then it was prayer. Prayer was a huge thing for me. I'm a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. So it was reading this scripture about doing an act of great faith. And that's when I knew I was like, oh man, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to do this. I think I'm going to have to cook the Obamas a five course meal. (laughs) (laughs) We glad you did. Cause you was in that kitchen chopping, stirring, sauteing, (laughs) cooking. You were chefing, you were doing it. I mean, (laughs) and to your point, you were doing and engaging in this beautiful act, not just of taking on this role, but of helping redefine and and broaden her legacy and portray her differently than she's been portrayed. I, I've been a fan of Billy since I was a child. She was complicated, right? She was yeah. multi-layered. She was fully human. She was yeah, an icon, really. you know, and a target in the way that you just spoke to. 
you talked about her addictions, her traumas. We know that she was involved with men, some of whom were incredibly violent. We also know she was attracted to women and that the movie Mm -hmm. talks about and acknowledges her relationship with uh, the actress Tallulah Bankhead. Mm -hmm. This is definitely not a one note situation. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I, to be honest with you, there could be 10 more movies about her life. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like, yeah, there's so many layers to it. And it's so, and you know, I use the word complex, right? Because we are all complex. Mm-hmm. Typically the word complicated, I don't even use that because, I mean, I guess they're similar, but they're not quite the same, right? If you really put complicated and complex next to each other, they're not exactly the same. But I would always say like, I don't know that she was complicated. I think that the circumstances were complicated. She was Mm. complex. The circumstances were complicated because the reality is she was just a black queer woman trying to live freely in Mm. the thirties, forties and fifties, trying to do what was right. You know what I mean? Talk about lynching in America, integrating audiences. The complication is that the world around her said, we don't want you to be live freely as a black person. We don't want you to live freely as a woman. We don't want you to live freely as, as a queer woman. You know what I mean? And so this idea that the government put their entire force into going after one woman, not only that they infiltrated our community with drugs, but then then created this war on drugs to go after a woman because she's saying, like, not even to just say, hey, stop white supremacy, to actually stop just lynching. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, I can't get you to see at least just the random murder of us, not the random, but the, the, the mob killing of Black people is wrong, but that's so tied to the culture and the fabric of America. So, you know, she, that was complicated. Yeah. She, she actually was very, very clear. (laughs) So clearly you understood and brought to this role an understanding of the contextual background, to your point, the complications of living black, queer, and woman in America. Yeah. But you also then actually had to get ready to, to channel her. How, how did you? Now that was complicated as hell. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it had to be right. Like, tell us how you prepared for that. Cause it couldn't have been a small task. No, no. I mean, it wasn't. And there was no, I mean, at all, you know, first of all, I was just meeting Lee. I was talking tons of conversations with him just about how he wanted Billy to be portrayed in this movie. And a huge thing for him was not a victim. And then the research involved every book, every documentary, biographies, an autobiography, obviously, Lady Sings the Blues, all of her music, every photo. I promise you, I've probably seen, if it is available to the public, every photo of (laughs) Billie Holiday. (laughs) Um, audio clips of her just interviewing or like the difference in her voice between when she's just shooting the shit with her band, when she's in the record making sides, if she's high, if she's sober, if she's possibly drunk, you know, and when she's happy, when she's sad, just the different tonal changes. I don't drink or smoke or cuss or do drugs or have sex and I did basically engage in most of that except for no heroin. (laughs) (laughs) And I am still abstinent. I just was more sexual in my behavior, my thinking, my being, you know. Smoking a lot of cigarettes, you know, drinking a ton of gin, lost almost 40 pounds. Mm. I cut all my hair off, you know, and just um, I had to be, be, be her. I had to change. So you do all of that and you sing all of her songs yeah. yourself yes, in the film. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we all know you to be a powerhouse singer, but Billy's voice is so signature. Mm-hmm. What was navigating that challenge like? I mean, first it was just an awareness, you know, I, I think in the beginning I knew I did not want to do this movie without doing her voice because I love her voice. And I, when I say I love her voice, I'm not even talking about her singing voice, which I obviously love, but her speaking voice is such a character. You know what I mean? The way it moves is like, she could be talking about nothing and I'm probably going to be laughing and enamored and like stuck. So 
I wanted to do it. Lee wanted it, which was so, so, so amazing. But he was clear with me. He's like, it can't be an impersonation. Yeah. It can't just sound like her. It has to be an interpretation, you know? And I think everyone thinks automatically the entry point is this music. Mm. But actually, it was it was really her laugh. That's really what helped me into the voice, you know? Lee loved it. <laughs> Lee would always just kind of like emulate me when we were on set with the laugh. Or one of my warm-ups, there's an audio clip of her just practicing getting into some, like as she's in a session with her band. And so he'd hear me all the time on set and he would start copying me. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, is yeah, her voice is, is beautiful. It's like a warm hug. I don't know how to describe it. Can you give us that laugh one more time? Uh, her laugh, how does see if I can get to <laughs> that's like her laugh. It's like this really heavy, broken up, and it pings. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, sure. Oh my so that's god, kind of like her thing, you know, <laughs> that's like her thing, yeah. Wow, wow, I love that laughter <laughs> being a gateway to this beautiful art that you created. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, I want to go back to this, this historical aspect again because this film covers much of her life, but really is about this, a fixed point in time where she's being targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics and Mm -hmm. they want her to stop singing this honest, revelatory, gut-wrenching 1939 protest song that we've already talked about, Strange Fruit. Mm -hmm. What is so threatening about a song that honest? honesty (laughs) truth is threatening you know what I mean honesty is is threatening for some people it's revelatory it's amazing it's healing and it's light and that's really what she represented that's what strange fruit represented and really we live in a system you know a system of oppression and a system of racial inequality is one that is built on controlling the narrative Mm. and so that means deception lies you know misleading suppressing certain narratives, totally changing certain narratives or getting rid of certain narratives. Truth threatens. The only thing that can dismantle a system built on lies is probably truth. Mm. So, you know, when you think about it like that, it depends on your agenda. If your agenda is to continue white supremacy, to continue racial inequality, if this, if you're threatened by the presence of other people living fully and in totality, then yeah, that's a scary song. Absolutely. And that truth galvanizes people to fight back, Black folks in particular. The FBI definitely doesn't want that. Doesn't want Black people pushing back on, as she's saying, this strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, even white folks, you know what I mean? Mm. She was one of, she's not the first, but she was one of the first artists to integrate Carnegie Hall. Mm -hmm. So the fact that white people at the time, probably still racist, you know what I mean? Some maybe not. Some more trying to be allies. Some, I mean, an array of people but they love Billy. And so for them to say, I want to sit next to black people to watch her, the FBI also was like, uh-oh. Right. So she going to integrate an audience and then sing Strange Fruit to all of them at the same time. We got to take her down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She did all of that. And with no civil rights movement supporting or bolstering her, you know, it's broad shoulders. And so you hear this song that did all of that in your own life when you're 11 years old for the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you thought of back then? I just remember feeling sad for her and bad and like, you know, it's kind of scary, but just feeling like I was, first of all, just stopped in my tracks. You know what I mean by the song? I did not understand what the song was saying. Obviously I was 11, you know, so it wasn't registering like that. 
But I just knew that whatever she was saying, I felt bad, like something had happened to her. It was more directly related to her. Something had happened to her. Something bad had happened to her. And it just, I was definitely really perturbed, but but really inspired. I, I remember thinking to myself, whatever I do as a musician, this is the effect that I want it to have on people. Even if it's a happy song, mm. I just wanted to stop them for a, a minute. So this song that has this massive effect, including pulling the weight of the FBI and the entire country down on, like you said, her broad shoulders. The FBI goes after Billy for strange food. They can't get her. So they go after her for her drug addiction and her struggles mm -hmm. there. She's imprisoned in 1947. The next year, as you said, she performs to this sold out crowd at Carnegie Hall. Mm -hmm. But her addictions really do catch up with her because those, those demons are, are deep. And as you said, she, she passed away at just 44 in 1959. Yeah. There's so much triumph and yet still tragedy in her life. What do you really calculate her legacy to be? You know, even to be honest, even speaking about her death, like, yes, those things definitely caught up. Well, really her her illness, because she never got treatment. You know what I mean? She tried to get treatment and she went to rehab and she tried to get treatment multiple times. But they would actually set her up and plant drugs on her. You know, if you can even imagine mm -hmm. drugs being planted in rehab. And so that's the real deception is they didn't want her to get clean. They just were using it as a way to exploit her, really to kill her and silence her. So she had cirrhosis, but there's still speculation. You know what I mean? Also, the nurses wanted to keep her on methadone when she was in the hospital. Mm. And they knew that taking her off methadone would kill her. She was going through methadone treatments to try to rehabilitate her. And they no more methadone, no methadone. That's drugs, that's drugs, that's drugs, that's drugs. And they knew what they were doing and they took her off methadone and she died. So she, she truly was systemically murdered, executed, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, because that's what Hoover does and that's what Harry J. Anslinger did and what they still do today. And so she's a target of this war, like you said, this incredibly systemic maltreatment. Mm -hmm. And she's also, as you pointed out earlier, one of the great godmothers of, of that reinvigorated civil rights movement. Both yeah. things are true. And that's what I was really going to say as far as her legacy. She truly was the great godmother of the reinvigorated civil rights movement. We don't know this. We know about the death of Emmett Till, how it sparked things. But we don't know that her singing Strange Fruit in defiance of the government emboldened a lot of the civil rights leaders that we're familiar with today. You know, she represents truth to me. She represents freedom fight. She represents um, conquering your fears. You know, she knew that she'd probably be killed every time she got up on stage and sang that song and she did it anyway. Mm -hmm. Police would chase her when she left the club, shooting into her car, you know, with the intent to kill her. So... You know, and still without the support of a civil rights movement and, and oftentimes without the support of her community, because, again, she was a woman and she would get even from our own community. Why don't you just behave? You know what I'm saying? That's a true thing that happens. So, yeah, I think to know her as truly the, the a hero and the great godmother of the reinvigorated civil rights movement. That's how I want people to remember her. And I mean, given the relevancy of everything we're talking about in this current day and age, mm -hmm it's not an easy time for black folks in this country right now. It really never has been. No. And in a lot of ways, this horror is no less real than when she was singing strange fruit and being targeted for it. How do you see Billy's legacy living on today in, in music like yours and, and in this movement for black lives across the globe? I mean, you know, Lee puts this really concisely too, that like, if she could stand up to the government, then, then we, we have at that time with no resources, mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? Then we absolutely have to, but I think 
another part of that is to talk about these things. Like the other day, you know, I, I haven't posted about it and I'm going to, but I was so exhausted. Like I wanted to post about Dante, right? But I was like, ugh, you know what I mean? Just like, it's, it's painful. It's fucking heartbreaking and painful and exhausting. And it, it just feels like putting up a social media post is just like, oh, are we creating a trend? Is this just a trend? Are we, what's the difference? Like what's happening? But I realized I'm like, but it's holistic. Mm. And think about it this way. If we get like, fatigued on it imagine how our ancestors felt as well too imagine how billy felt you know what yeah. i mean on down to you know medgar evers to asada you know we saw with malcolm x to angela you know so i just remember thinking like okay it might feel like it's not making that much of a difference but it does all matter so i think she would tell us to continue and also to continue to tell our stories you know when you talk about telling our stories the reality is that the film did not shy away from the trauma of Billy's life or of Black no. life at the time. And I mean, if we're keeping it a buck, the the heaviness of that trauma then and now can make mm-hmm. it overwhelming for Black folks to watch, you know, films that deal with this honestly. Because we're experiencing all of that trauma in real life right now. Were, were you yes. concerned about that at all? Totally. I th- I was concerned about it and so was Lee. You know, this I understand when people say like, uh, no black trauma porn, you know what I mean? And no, like, you know, and I understand it. But I think from my sort of perspective and the perspective of the movie, it was like, I don't like this idea that the narrative of history, if we decide not to talk about these things, that the narrative of history is controlled by white supremacy. And I don't want that. Mm. The other thing is, so two things, and this is so layered. So I love the question because it's like so layered, you know. We, when we're telling stories about our leaders or our people, we almost have a need to protect them. Like, okay, if they did something like, for instance, she was an addict or whatever, we want to shy away from those things. But I'm like, but that's not fair for us. That's us telling each other or feeding into this idea that we can't be complex. We Mm -hmm. can't have layers. We can't have things that we experience or that we go through. We can't have shortcomings. White folks do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like every time they tell their stories, they just wallow in like, Hey, here's us and everything we do and everything. And y'all should want to know about it. And you know what I mean? Like no problem. That's great. But I'm like a person, I'm like, I want everything raw. You know what I mean? She struggled with addiction. I want that. Also this idea that like, you know, some people will be like, well, we don't want to see her get beat. But I'm like, but women were abused. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. my thing is like, you don't want to see it because it's troubling just the way. But are we being like people who didn't want to hear a song about lynching? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing where I'm like, I understand it. But I think it takes both things. Like, you need to know the depth of someone's struggle truthfully. You know what I mean? Not sugarcoating it because that's America's technique. Right. And the breadth of their contribution. Because the other thing is, before Hidden Figures, I didn't know three Black women were responsible for getting us to space and programming the first computer. Or that Carver was not just somebody who made peanut butter, but he actually saved the entire American economy yeah. during the Depression. Or that a slave was responsible for netting us our very independence as a nation. So mm-hmm. I need to know the contribution as well and the triumph, how we have become this amazingly strong people through all that. And then I want to see the innovation, yeah. us killing it in all of these different spaces. So to me, I'm like... They approached that holistically, so we got to approach this. So I totally feel people, and I know that was long-winded, but um, but yeah. No, but I think that's real. And I before I let you go, I want to double-click on this idea of Black innovation and innovation period, because it's been six years since Oscar So White took off. Yeah, has it been six years? That is crazy. I know. Time passes quickly and I thought it was like two years ago. I know. know. It feels like it was just two years ago, but it was six years ago, right? And and it has taken Mm -hmm. 
even longer for these conversations about equity and representation and righteous representation, layered representation, to really take root in a place like Hollywood. So in, in a matter of days, you will walk into that ceremony where Black performers are nominated in nearly every acting category. Mm-hmm. But how much further do you feel like the industry has to go to make sure that those layered stories are being told? Listen, it, it, first of all, it starts way before the Oscars, right? You know what I mean? Like there needs to be resources afforded to us and creating our own because I'm very much believing that Tulsa shit, you know what I mean? Mm. Is what I call it, that passing hands, you know, because as we know, wealth, money, passed hands. I think it was like six times, right, in the community before it ever left. So that was one of the wealthiest communities in the nation, you know what I mean? So creating it also, but also just as the industry, you know, if, if you want to be an ally, then it's in supporting the resources to creating platforms so that these stories can be told. So then, in, in, you know, as you said, sort of the righteous re- representation, you know, not needing to control the narrative and control, you know, like allow the space for people who represent different communities to represent those different communities. Yeah. And then there's even nuance in that. So it starts before that. And I also think it's it's a mindset thing as well, right? I think people go, wow, Black performers are nominated in every category. And this is amazing. And it is. It's an amazing feat by work by people like you and, you know, us and Viola and everybody who's been in the business, who's been grinding for so long. Mm. And we should celebrate these things. But when I say the comment of like, oh, it should be all black people. Well, why would it be that? You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, okay, but why not? It's been all white people for a long time. Sure has. So just the, the idea that those categories, every single one could be filled with all minorities is not such a foreign idea. It's life. It's not at all. Yeah, it's it's, it's not at all a foreign idea. That is a imagination that we deserve. Mm-hmm. And now you're headed to the Oscars. I mean, there is really no slowing down for you. And you recently dropped a new single, Phone Dies. It is so soulful. What's next for you? What's coming up in that imagination of yours? So we released that. The album comes in June. But also I'm be doing some stuff with Lee again. And um, there's some projects that came in that I think are really interesting. You know, again, just beautifully layered. Just I, I don't even want to say, I feel like I have to explain layers, you know, complex. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Just black women. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very, very just like, um, so more stories like that. I think I'll kind of be in this space a little bit more. Where I, Honestly, girl, I'm a very spiritual person. So I would say whatever, wherever the, the Lord leads me, wherever God leads me. Wherever the Lord leads. Yes. I'm feeling you on that. Well, we are rooting for the Lord to lead you up there on that stage that night with that golden <laughs> statue. Thank you. Congratulations <laughs> again. And we hope we get another video of you and our good sis, Regina, hugging because it gave us yes. all, this, all the joy we, we definitely needed. We have to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, sis. God bless you too. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Andra Day is a Grammy-nominated singer and Oscar-nominated actress. She stars in the new film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. Yeah, we need more stories of complex, imperfect, beautiful Black women. There are so many narratives for us to take back and to create. And to Andrew's point, we can't shy away from showing the full breadth of our history and who we are in our raw, honest truth. Black women may appear to be magical, but we are also real and multi-layered. Or simply put, we're human. Like Billy, like everyone, there's tragedy and triumph in all our lives. We shouldn't be afraid to embrace that, especially knowing that our authenticity can help liberate others 
and challenge systems that would rather keep us one note. So bring on the innovation, and here's to living in our full color, on screen and definitely in our daily lives. That's it for today, but y'all know, never for tomorrow. Undistracted is a production of The Meteor and Pineapple Street Studios. Our lead producer is Rachel Matlow. Our associate producer is Taylor Hosking. Thanks also to Treasure Brooks, Grace Chen, and Hannes Brown. Our executive producers at The Meteor are Cindy Levy and myself, and our executive producers at Pineapple are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. You can follow me at Miss Pacchetti on all social media and our fantastic team at The Meteor. Subscribe to Undistracted and rate and review us. Share us with your friends from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being and thanks for doing. I'm Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Let's go get free. Free.